Today we're going to be talking about Bird of Beauty from Fulfillingness's first finale, uh, released on the 22nd of July 1974. On the track we have Stevie Wonder um, on the Fender Rhodes and the clavinet, the drums, playing some percussion and of course on the Moog bass. Uh, we've got Bobby Hall playing the Quika. Uh, and then giving us background vocals, we have the trio of Shirley Brewer, Lanny Groves, and Denise Williams. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Let's hear it for Denise Williams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the track is 3 minutes 48, and joining me to talk about today is Zachary Hoskins. Hello, Zachary. Hello. Right up to the top, I'm going to say 5 out of 5. Love this song. Um, you know, just such a, like... I mean, I think in particular it's the kind of the backing vocals that I really like. Mm. Um you know, I I, th- I think the kind of uh, like this this whole kind of uh, I mean I, I I do like this kind of weird thing that he's like Simon says, like that kind of <laughs> like it's it's an interesting and he in fact he has a lot of these things where he's he's talking about you know Father Time and like I don't know it's it's kind of an interesting like first verse, um, and then once we get to the kind of the choruses. Um, you know, obviously we can kind of get into what the choruses is kind of about. Um, <laughs> but I kind of like the whole when they get the, to the harmonies and they say, take a chance and ride the bird of beauty of the sky. Like, I just love the way that that's sung. And then the kind of the do do do's, uh, which, again, you know, with those backing vocalists, so beautiful. Um, and then <laughs> Stevie sings in Portuguese. Uh, you know, he makes a choice and the second verse is in Portuguese. Uh, but I do love the fact that it finishes with him singing the word carnival, <laughs> um, which, it, it, you know, just the way he hits that. But yeah, I don't know. Just like uh, just from the production point of view, like this entire song is so beautiful. Right. Um, and just like the backing vocalists, you know, obviously Lanny Groves, we've heard a ton. Uh, Denise Williams, you know, obviously went on to have a career after this. <laughs> um, and just the three of them kind of singing as like vocalists. Um, you know, along with Shirley Brewer, like the three of them are so beautiful and all the kind of stuff that Bobby Hall is doing as well. You know, she's always been a great percussionist on, on these Stevie albums. And I think kind of just the it's not like I mean, you know, if if you know what the sound of a, a Quaker is, then you, you kind of can hear it on the song. But it's not overdone. Like, it's not like there's a you know, Stevie's obviously doing some of his own percussion as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the reason that he kind of goes into the Portuguese, I guess, is because of this kind of, you know, this kind of um, it gives it that Brazilian kind of flavor. Yeah. 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 There's a kind of Brazilian kind of per- percussive flavor that's in there. And I just, you know, I just kind of, you know, I just really enjoy kind of what they're doing. Like it's, you know, this is not like a, a super heavy song. Obviously, we can kind of talk about, you know, the themes that are explored in the chorus. But, you know, it feels like it's a, a much more uh, it feels a little bit kind of like the, um, you know, like a self-help song. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense for like the mid 70s, um, you know, but just like the whole kind of the first verse, certainly you know, where he's saying, you know, Simon says that your mind desires a vacation. Like, that's, you know, that's such a great kind of, like, um, opening line. Um, and I don't know, I just, I really like kind of the production on this song. It's something that I really love about this album anyway. 
um, is I think the production on every song is probably kind of so. I mean, like from track to track, each each song is so different from the previous. Um, and I think that this is, you know, coming after They Won't Go When I Go, which is kind of a very kind of like dark song uh, into this kind of much kind of like a lighter song. I think it's like a perfect kind of contrast between the different things. But also just, so, I mean, you know, uh, just such a wonderful kind of uh, production. And then, you know, also we can get into the kind of content. Yeah, um, this is uh, of of Stevie Wonder's classic period fulfilling this first finale is the the album that kind of took the longest for me to sink in i kind of like i i tried to get into these albums when i was younger and i remember you know really liking inner visions um liking talking book a lot you know uh uh songs in the key of life uh was really impressive to me um but when i tried fulfilling this it was like it just seemed like softer and a little more like just a little more easy listening to my ears to my to my youthful ears and it it didn't sink in for me right away but as the years have gone by and i have um you know kind of broadened my horizons a little bit uh i get it now and um and yeah this is this is just a beautiful song um it is sort of uh it it has that the the last episode of of this podcast that I was on we talked about too high and this is it feels like a like a follow up in some respects to that um but there's kind of more of a playfulness to it um the the uh the message is is maybe a little a little less uh dramatic a little less after school special um there's it's it's a it's you can there there's i i feel like we've we progressed a little bit um past i i think musically i might prefer too high but um but but lyrically this has a similar kind of anti-drug message but couched in a more more positive less uh scare tactics kind of uh kind of approach yeah and i i mean you know i think obviously uh you know in the verses when he he takes this kind of simon says thing and he says, you know, you desire a vacation, feel free to join in fun and plenty of recreation. Um, <laughs> there awaits you a ticket at Please Have a Good Time Station. Um, you know, because what is going to stay till old father time decides to change. And then he says, um, Simon says, your mind is requesting a furlough. And I just love that he uses furlough. Right. <laughs> uh, and he, he kind of rhymes it with, you know, there are always, you know let it find the, the the answers to things that you've always wanted to know to, to get it to rhyme with furlough. I mean, that's, that's quite a distance to go for that particular. Yeah. Rhyme. Um, and then he says, you know, there's a tour of many places that you've always wanted to go. Um, and to me, that sure sounds best because it means happiness for you. And so I like that he, I mean, obviously the way he sings uh, uh, and, and that to me, that sure sounds best because it means happiness for you the way he sings that is so kind of like just the kind of the punctuation on it is kind of perfect um and then we get to the chorus which you know this is where everyone kind of comes in on the backing vocals um and then he says you know there is so much in life for you to feel unfound in white red or yellow peels <laughs> and it kind of makes it rhyme with feel uh, a mind excursion that can be such a thrill and then kind of the you know this is where he, you know with, with the please to you please satisfy take a chance and ride the bird of butte in the sky but they have the kind of ooze in the background that the kind of the ladies are singing against that um and then we kind of get the do do do's kind of refrain 
Um, but yeah, like this kind of, it feels less of a lecture for him to say, you know, just don't take pills, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you know, or maybe kind of try something other than taking these pills. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not kind of being specific, but obviously, you know, uh, the kind of culture of like uppers and downers in the seventies was so kind of prevalent. Um, that it does kind of feel almost risky at this point to say, look, just stop taking like, you know, 20 Xanax a day or something or, you know, stop just taking all these pills. Just try to kind of, um, you know, cope without those and just, you know, have a vacation. Right. Um, or, you know, just try try and, you know, try and do something without, you know, kind of, you know, without this this kind of um, this artificial high or, you know, kind of you know, this haze that you're going to be in. Right. Um, it's very much like Stevie Wonder is very high on life. I think is the, is the message. He is. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think the thing is like, you don't like, you don't need to have an anti-drug song from Stevie Wonder to understand that Stevie Wonder is a person who is like perpetually happy right. <laughs> and, and higher and enjoying life. Like that's, that's something that just comes through from any performance that he's, you know, that you see of him, um, you know, and then, and then the fact that, you know, in the second, in the second verse, obviously, in Brazilian, for some reason, right. <laughs> um, apparently supplied by Sergio Mendes. Huh. Wow. Well, I guess if you're going to have somebody give you Portuguese lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not going to sing it in Portuguese, but I am going to give you the English translation, which is um, all right. Your, you should rest your mind no matter what will happen from now on. Go sing joy. Your heart so happy will already sing a carnival. Um, and of course, he, he, he says, uh, via canta carnaval, which is like, I don't know. So I love when Stevie Wonder kind of sings in a different language because he obviously does this with uh, uh, Don't You Worry About a Thing right. where he kind of talks about how good he speaks Spanish. And obviously his, like, like I don't I don't know that he speaks good Portuguese. Yeah. And obviously I'd have to consult with somebody Portuguese to, to ask how accurate the kind of singing is in Portuguese. Um, but I just feel like it's, you know, like even if you don't know what he's singing, you kind of get the feeling of, of what he's saying. And particularly when he finishes with, you know, uh, Feliz Yavaya Cantar Carnival, like just the way he hits the carnival. Um, and then, of course, you're straight into the chorus. And it's worth saying as well, when you're in the chorus, um, Stevie kind of really goes for like the ride symbol. And he's like he kind of really changes the rhythm up for the for the choruses. And it's kind of amazing. Like just I mean, his drums are so good on this track as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, we kind of after that, we kind of get, you know, the outro a little bit and it's just a lot more do do do's. But yeah, I don't know. I just I like to me, it, like it does kind of feel like he's revisiting some of the themes from Too High, um, you know, and this album, like there is kind of a little bit of social consciousness stuff here, but it's slightly other than, you know, you haven't done nothing. Right. Um, it's slightly less prevalent than it was on the previous album, which felt a lot more like. You know, particularly with like living in the living for the city, like it felt like he he had to kind of be more socially conscious. Whereas I think after his car accident, um, he's this album is a lot more kind of introspective. You know, stuff like creeping and uh, it ain't no use and they won't go when I go. Like every, all of that is a lot more kind of introspective and mm -hmm. um, you know. Whereas you know something like this is kind of a bit more a bit more playful. Uh, in particular, just with the background vocals. I mean, the background vocals against Stevie vocals, they sound so beautiful. It's its kind of like, it doesn't matter what they're singing about. <laughs> like, it's just such a, you know, I just love the song so much. Um, you know, it's probably at least, I mean, it's hard with Fulfilling This because unlike you, Fulfilling This is probably, what out of these three, it's probably the album that I kind of listen to the most. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, there was a time when uh, I was in New York 
and I had my iPod on me, my iPod that I think at that point I'd only owned for about five or six months. Um, and I came across They Won't Go When I Go. I, I, you know, I had all the Stevie Wonder albums on there, but I hadn't really listened to Fulfilling This, yeah. you know, a huge amount. Yeah. And I kind of stumbled upon They Won't Go When I Go, and I basically stuck it on repeat for about, I don't know, like an hour. And I just kind of <laughs> listened to it over and over. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like, this... Like this, this song is just like uh, like amazing, and it's like, why doesn't everybody know about this album? And then I just started listening to more of the tracks on the album, and I was like, this entire album, top to bottom, is like, you know, I'd say out of the ten tracks, there's none of them that feel like inessential. Like every track is so well kind of thought out, um, and I really just kind of like the lightness of Bird of Beauty. Like after you after you go from something that is kind of as dark as they won't go when I go, right into this where you you also on the previous song it was very much stevie wonder kind of by himself whereas here you have this contrast of you know shirley lanny and denise kind of singing with stevie and it's it's just such a nice kind of like you know just in the back like they like all three of them have such nice voices it's like oh this is it just sounds so beautiful um you know and that's not even discounting the fact that stevie wonder himself has you know a beautiful voice um, but again, at this point, it's kind of matured a little bit and it's different to like the stuff from the first couple of albums in this run. Right. You know, this is like this track would have sounded like if he'd have tried doing it on, you know, music of my mind or where I'm coming from, this track would have sounded completely different. Whereas I feel like here he's got the maturity to be able to kind of playfully say stop taking drugs in a slightly <laughs> different way, you know. And I again, like the whole kind of ethos of, you know, you know, your mind desires a vacation or requests a furlough or you know it all of that kind of upbeat happiness stuff is just what stevie wonder was kind of about right in the 70s so it it just it's just from him it just feels so kind of natural and it doesn't feel forced or kind of cheesy it just feels like that's how he was yeah it's hard to be cynical when you hear this this song is just so joyful <laughs> You know, uh, it, it's 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 hard it's hard to resist. And I, you know that's why I think it's you know it's an easy five out of five. It's just so like it's one of those things where like Stevie Wonder does this so easily and like without like it doesn't feel like he's breaking a sweat. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why sometimes people maybe overlook um, certainly this album or you know because it's like it's it's such like it's just 10 easy songs where stevie wonder doesn't seem to be kind of you know pushing himself or anything right and then when you compare it to songs in the key of life which does feel like you know that was stevie like trying so many different things and really trying to kind of get out of his comfort zone this feels like you know of the of these kind of three albums it does feel like it's the one that was the easiest you know like at this point he can kind of do this thing in his sleep um but i still think you know it's head and shoulders above pretty much anything else that was around at the time um, and also, you know, for the next decade, like I think you, I think from now until until Purple Rain, maybe <laughs> from now until Purple Rain, I think you'd be hard to find, you know, an album where you can say, oh, here are ten songs that are as good as these ten songs on this album, right? And this is Stevie Wonder kind of almost on autopilot, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's 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 kind of you taking for granted the fact that he's playing drums and he's doing the percussion and he's playing the bass and he's playing the roads and he's doing it all while he's blind, like that's. You know, like on top of everything, if he was just somebody who did all that, that would be amazing. But then the fact that on top of that, he's blind as well. It's like, I don't know, it's it's one of those things that I feel it's obvious. Like that's the thing that people know about Stevie Wonder. But at the same time, it's like it's so remarkable when you consider the talent that he had. And then on top of that, he didn't have his sight. Right. <laughs> and, you know, for, for most people, that would be the thing that would hold them back. But for Stevie, it seemed to be like without his sight, he could concentrate on just 
putting out there what was in his head and kind of the sound that was there. And, you know, at this point, he's kind of managed to do it without even thinking. But like I said, you know, once we get to Songs in the Key of Life, he's then going to start to kind of push himself into kind of all, all kinds of different new directions. And I think that's why people kind of feel that that album is, you know, uh, a cut above maybe these these previous three, because just because he ends up kind of getting everything that he's learned off these last kind of five albums leads up to songs in the key of life right Um, and i don't think you can have songs in the key of life without having this album like you can't just make the jump to songs in the key of life from you know inner visions and talking book you have to kind of go through um you know triple f before you actually get to songs in the key of life so everything he's learning on here um you know this kind of the arrangement of the the background vocals and the kind of different percussion and stuff all of that is kind of gonna you know put, put towards um, some of the tracks and songs in the key of life, and, you know, this remains like an important kind of, you know, piece of the puzzle of like, how did he get to doing, you know, what is regarded as one of at least the top 10 greatest albums of all time. Right. I think the other nine probably are all done by Prince, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's for other people to decide. But yeah, so I don't know, just, I think on, on this album, there's nothing that isn't a five out of five for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I agree. I, I, I it's sort of it's sort of a formality rating <laughs> these i don't know if i'd give it a 4 or a 5 but it's a it it's it's kind of immaterial it's it's a great song um well then let's go to plugs is there anything that you wish to plug Zach? sure so i um am you probably know me from Prince Track by Track, uh, where I am. I, I, I'm still working on the same project that I plugged back when I was on Prince Track by Track. It's called Dance Music Sex Romance. It is my own Track by Track Prince uh, project. In my case, it's a blog, though. So I've been writing about all of Prince's songs in the order that they were recorded or released i'm a little you know it's sometimes it's whatever makes the most sense with the narrative um but right now i'm in 1982 which is a great time uh to 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 jump on board um some of prince's best music was recorded during that time uh really and and, and a lot of it which is why it's taken me so long um so you can check out the blog at princesongs.org and you can find us for this project on Twitter at Stevie by Wonder. Thanks as well for being my guest here today, Zachary. Well, thank you for having me. And otherwise, goodbye. We all love